Hello and welcome to NICE Talks. I'm Matthew Brown, a member of NICE's media relations team. In this episode, we're going to be discovering more about NICE's role in patient safety. Joining me to discuss this topic are Professor Kevin Harris, Senior Responsible Officer, or SRO, for patient safety at NICE, and the Clinical Advisor to the Interventional Procedures Programme, and Professor Jane Blaisby, Professor of Surgery at the University of Bristol. Thank you both for joining. Kevin, my first question is for you. Can you explain what your role as Senior Responsible Officer for Patient Safety at NICE involves? Initially, NICE didn't have a specific role dedicated to patient safety. I think about three or four years ago now, though, they recognised there'd be some value in having a more coordinated approach across the Institute to try and make sure that we responded in in a meaningful way to any safety concerns that occurred. That's not to say that we weren't responding already. But in NICE, actually, over the years, things have grown, things become more complicated. There are a number of organisational silos, and it wasn't always possible to be absolutely sure that we'd captured everything that needed to be done. So the SRO role for safety was created merely really to perform some strategic leadership and coordination of the safety response, not to do it themselves, but to coordinate that response. And Kevin, can you explain what role NICE plays regarding patient safety? NICE has always had a remit for providing evidence-based guidelines and guidance to the NHS, which describes the best value way that patients may be treated. Implicitly within that is that the treatments that patients receive should be safe. That's part of the quality of care that patients would expect to receive. I think it's fair to say that most of the programmes that is implicitly implied within what NICE produces There is one specific programme in NICE which has a very explicit role in safety, which is the Interventional Procedures Programme, where their specific remit is to comment on usually new innovations that are being proposed in the NHS as to whether they're safe or effective enough for use. They're normally new innovations that are being proposed, but the programme can also consider what might be thought of as established procedures where either the efficacy or the safety have been called into question. Jane, my next question is for you. How did you become interested in patient safety? Well, as a surgeon, I think all surgeons are are really interested in keeping patients safe. So naturally, it was part of my job. Then I became very interested in measuring outcomes in clinical trials, particularly patient reported outcomes and seeing things from the patient perspective. And I began to realise that measuring adverse events and risks and clinical and patient reported outcomes all goes into the mix and there's no clear picture amongst them all. So that all fed into a growing interest in transparency and patient safety. I know that you and fellow University of Bristol researchers were involved in the introduced study. Can you tell us what you discovered? The introduced study looked at local hospitals' policies about the oversight of new surgical and other invasive procedures. Because when a clinician decides to do something new or modify something, they can apply to the local hospital for some sort of oversight of that process. And for the first time, as far as we could tell, we collated the documents from hospitals in England and Wales, and we systematically scrutinised those documents to see how the hospitals dealt with those applications for undertaking new and modified procedures. 
And what we found from 113 documents of a pool of 157 hospitals, we found a huge discrepancy between what the hospitals would give oversight permission for. So some would say, if there's no evidence supporting this new procedure, we will provide oversight. And others would say, if there's no evidence for this new procedure, you absolutely must apply for research ethics approval from the Health Research Authority. And so there was really big discrepancies between their recommendations. There was also differences between what they recommended the clinicians told the patients about the new procedure. And whilst all of them did refer to the NICE recommendations and guidance, it was unclear how they were implementing the NICE guidance. So the really sort of novel thing about the introduced study was it documented for the first time how innovation can happen in an uncoordinated way across the NHS and how it therefore introduced risks because new procedures can be undertaken with very little supporting evidence and also very little recommendations on how the adverse events from those procedures might then subsequently be shared to prevent further harm. So I think it's led to really important discussions over what should change about this approach. Returning to you, Kevin, the Interventional Procedures Advisory Committee makes decisions on what procedures are safe and effective for NHS use. How are their decisions reached? Anybody can notify a procedure or raise concerns about an established procedure too nice. That's considered internally, and if it falls within the scope of the programme, we will begin to produce guidance on it. The way that's done is NICE will assemble the best available evidence. They'll take expert advice from recognised experts in the field and assemble that for presentation to an independent committee. It's called the Interventional Procedures Advisory Committee, who will consider that in the round and make draft provisional recommendations to NICE about what the guidance on that procedure should be. It doesn't stop there, though, actually, because provisional recommendations then go out for consultation. And the committee will consider all the consultation comments and in fact may change its recommendations to NICE as a result of public consultation. And only once that process has been completed to everyone's satisfaction does it become formal NICE guidance. And when a concern is raised about a procedure, how does NICE send a message to the system? The first thing to recognise, of course, is that we're part of a healthcare system that wants to continually learn from experience and adapt accordingly, and particularly true around new innovations that are introduced into practice. We won't necessarily know everything when that starts to happen. So having a governance structure, which Jane has described, which is strong and robust, allows us to learn from experience of those procedures being introduced. And we have to accept and explain to patients that there may, with a very new procedure, be some uncertainties. But the thing that we have to do is collect data, feed that back into our processes, be prepared to update our guidance if necessary. So when new information becomes available about a procedure that we produce guidance on, for example, we have a process for looking at whether that would justify updating the guidance, taking it back to the committee, and maybe the committee changing their recommendations. That can work in two ways, actually. Either the evidence base for its effectiveness and safety gets strengthened, and we would report that, or it may show that it's more in doubt than we originally thought, and we would report that. And there have been examples of this where it's been clear that the procedure is neither effective nor safe and therefore shouldn't be used. We, of course, always alert stakeholders when we change our recommendations. But if we had a specific recommendation where we shouldn't use something over a safety concern, we would do that through the NHS England NHS Improvement Governance Structures. Joan, how do you think the NHS can be better at ensuring innovation is only introduced in a safe and effective way? 
What we've been doing is working with NICE, working with the Health Research Authority and working with the Hospital Trust to try and tighten up the existing recommendations. So NICE has really good, clear guidance, but there are some things that don't get implemented and there are also a few loopholes there that need strengthening. And we have come up with a new model, strengthened model for the existing processes that we hope to now share and to try and implement that will provide more protection for surgeons, definitely more protection for patients and more protection for hospitals as new procedures are introduced. And the aim would be that anything that's new that's being undertaken would be automatically referred to NICE centrally rather than to the local hospitals in the first instance. And that there would be a speedy response from NICE to say, we are going to now look into this further, or they'll say, no, this modification is absolutely fine. So there'll be some equity across the NHS. Everyone will have the same access to innovation. And so by tightening up the existing processes and strengthening and closing a few loopholes, we hope that and this is all yet to be undertaken, but we hope this will increase patient safety and also expedite innovations and make them more widely available because there will be the same processes shared across the country. And Jane, in your view, is there more that regulators like NICE can do to ensure patient safety? Well, I think communication at all levels is key to this. So communication with hospitals, with the Royal Colleges, with the professional bodies, with the GMC, with the Health Research Authority, so that we have a universal connected approach. Because at the moment, if you look at the Health Research Authority website, it's really quite unclear where NICE recommendations would fit into that for surgical procedures and invasive procedures. And there's not necessarily a same advice being given at all levels. So I think having a more connected and consistent approach at all the different levels of organisation would really, really provide the same message to everybody. And Jane, my final question is for you. As a patient, what questions would you ask a surgeon before undergoing a new procedure? I think the key to remember is in those consultations between a surgeon and a patient in which a new procedure is discussed, that there's mutual responsibility. It's not the patient's responsibility to have everything, neither is it just the surgeon's. There needs to be shared decision making. There's a discussion of what matters to the patient and what matters to the surgeon to reach an agreement. And we've done a lot of work around this with a, a large multidisciplinary team. And there are seven key pieces of information that patients and clinicians prioritise to be discussed. One of them would be that it's very key for the clinician to be clear that the procedure is actually new, by which we mean there are uncertain risks, and that to offer the patient the standard treatment as well. There is a tendency for optimism bias where new is better and there's a forgetting to offer the patient standard treatment. And then the patient also needs to know the surgeon's skill. Have they done this procedure before? How experienced are they? And the team in the hospital? There's a requirement to communicate the unknown unknowns about the procedure. So we know the risks of standard procedures, but with new procedures, it's not always possible to anticipate what might happen. But the patient needs to be warned that there are unknown risks that may occur. And then we've also found that there would be wanting to be information exchanged about perhaps a conflict of interest from the surgeon's point of view. What is the governance? Has this got ethical oversight? What are the proposed benefits to the patient? There's a few things, there are seven things that we consider core information. It's a mutual responsibility. The surgeon has a responsibility to raise some of those. And we would, of course, encourage patients to ask questions. But because of the nature of those consultations, it is really important that the surgeon does initiate some of the difficult issues too.
thank you to my guests, Professor Kevin Harris and Professor Jane Blaisby. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Nice Talks. We hope you've enjoyed the programme. Remember, you can find us on social media too. Search for at NiceComs. Join us again next month for another episode. Until then, goodbye 